0: Who does not love, does not know God. Good evening. It's time for us to uh, go ahead and get started tonight. We are very happy that you're here tonight. Uh, got dark early tonight, didn't it? But uh, it was a beautiful day outside. Couldn't ask for a nicer day. And it's always a, a joy on Wednesday night to be able to come together as God's people and study God's Word and uh, edify one another and we are honored that you're here tonight especially if you're visiting with us. I have a few announcements tonight. First of all I hope each one of you will pick up one of the bulletins before you leave. Uh, it has an updated list on the sick. There's other information as well that might be pertinent to you so please uh, pick up one of those bulletins. Uh, Lads to leaders, the Bible Bowl is going to meet this Sunday at 4 15. Also, there's going to be an area-wide youth singing on Saturday, November the 12th, this coming Saturday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Church of Christ. And uh, I thought there was another bit of information I need to share with you. So uh, just pay attention to that. And uh, I'm sure somebody's giving the information about when you might be leaving. Also, oh, yes, it says uh, we're going to leave at 530. It's right there below it. Sorry about that. Uh, you'll leave the tack at 530. Also, there's going to be a Young Ladies uh, uh, Day coming up on Saturday, November the 19th at the Leoma Church of Christ. And uh, this is for seventh grade through college age. And uh, we'll be taking a group to this. And if you're interested in it, uh, contact Kerry Lawson and... Uh, She'll get you all the information and get you signed up. We want to wish a very happy birthday to Sister Beatrice Barron. And uh, she uh, turned 99 on November the 4th. And uh, she is one of our oldest members. She taught our toddlers for more than 50 years. And if you uh, look at your bulletin tonight, there's uh, an address there where you can send her a card. Also, we want to congratulate Edward and Lori Smith. They have a new granddaughter Maxie, Kyle, uh, Smith, uh, was born to Evan and Maggie on November the 1st. She weighed six pounds and 12 ounces, 18 inches long. And, uh, she was welcomed home by big brother, John rivers. There's also an address in the bulletin, uh, for you to send them cards, our food pantry item this week is pork and beans. And I want to remind you that our, uh, food pantry and clothes closet will be opened in the morning from nine until 10 30. Uh, last month on the, the Thursday, uh, the first Thursday we did it, we had 106 family units that came. So, uh, we were swamped and any help that you can provide, uh, if you want to show up uh, in the morning to help or to see what it's like, we'd love for you to come and check it out. I think it's a very, very good work and, uh, it certainly impacts the influence that this church has on the community. The Freed Hardeman University Associates are going to meet tomorrow evening uh, at seven o'clock in the Annex. So please keep that in mind. I believe that's all the announcements that I have for our devotional tonight. Brandon Elliott's going to be leading our singing and uh, Rick Warner will lead our minds in prayer.
1: we'll turn to number 2 in our books number 2 <laughs>
2: Sing the first we pray
0: Facebook infographic recently said November, the month where people who have complained on Facebook for the last 11 months become thankful for 30 days. You know, the practice that many have of expressing some specific Thanksgiving each day of the month of November, as we see on social media, I think is a good practice. It may even incite others in a roundabout way to be more thankful for what they have. However, we want to be sure that we never become the person that's described in this particular infographic. You know, complaints really are mostly expressions of ingratitude and November is certainly not the only time of the year that we need to express thanksgiving. So when should we give thanks? Well, think about what Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus, telling them that they should be giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. You know, every single day that we are alive affords us the opportunity of that which we need to give thanks to God. It's God that gives us each day. It's God that gives us everything in life that is truly good. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, James 1 and verse 17. And I'm confident that Paul has in mind every good and perfect gift when he says that we need to give thanks for all things. You know, furthermore, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. He said, in everything, give thanks. You know, I'm so grateful that Paul said, in everything, give thanks. And he didn't say, give thanks for everything. We certainly can be thankful in times of tragedy, though we don't have to be thankful for the tragedy itself. But we need to realize that in all things, in all areas of life, we need to be people that are thankful. And thankfulness to God is greatest expressed by how we live our lives each day. We demonstrate to God our true thanksgiving every single day that we live by our submission to his will, by our attitude, Uh, by our words, by the influence that we exert. We literally, as we go about our daily affairs, express thanks to God by living a godly life in Christ Jesus. Tonight, are, are you living the kind of life that continues to express thanks to God? You know, God's provided us for abundant, for us so abundantly, physical and material blessings. But the most important blessings that we have from God are those spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. In particular, the hope of heaven when this life is over through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, maybe you're one that has never obeyed the gospel. Maybe you need to demonstrate your thanksgiving for what God has done for you by obeying the gospel tonight letting your faith be demonstrated by the repenting of your sins you can be baptized into Christ tonight upon the confession of your faith in him and then you can leave here tonight and know the joy of salvation tonight if you need to respond to heaven's call we ask that you come now while we stand and sing
1: 9 902.
2: 2 9 and one.
1: 16.
0: Let me just say quickly, I know it's like the election, it's still early, but Bobby Brison just texted that we have over 103 in the college class tonight. There's still some coming in, so we're thankful for that.
3: Let us pray. Most kind loving Heavenly Father, we come to Thee tonight, Father, thanking Thee so much, Father, for the privilege of assembling This evening, Father, to sing these songs of praise unto Thee, to hear another message of Thy Word, and to petition Thee in prayer, Father, we're so thankful for the congregation that Thy people that meets here, Father. We just pray Thy blessings to be upon our congregation here, and and please be with its leadership, Father, that we could we could grow in spirit and in number. We just pray that You would. Bless all the efforts that we undertake here, Father. We're so thankful for the being able to have classes and to study thy word tonight. And we just are thankful, Father, for all the teachers. And you, we ask that you would be with each one of them this evening as they go about teaching thy word, Father, that we would take it into our hearts and that much good would come of, come from it, Father, that we would live closer to thee. We're ask that you would be with the sick father. No, we have many of our number that are sick. Those that are sick with flu and, and different things. Father, we just ask that you would would be with each one of them. And we've had people father that's lost loved ones. We'd ask that you would please be with them father and strengthen them and hold them up as only you can. We ask now that you would go with us through the classes through the, the rest of uh, our night here together. Just help us, Father, to always try to live closer to thee. We know, Father, that we do fail thee, and we ask that you would please forgive us of those wrongs when we turn from them. Father, we're so thankful for thy precious son, Jesus, who came and suffered a cruel death on the cross, that we could have hope of eternal life. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: We'll change that song. As our teachers make the way to class, we'll sing Jesus Loves Me. We'll let Jude lead. Jesus.
4: Our murmuring mics. So anything you're saying under your breath, you think you can't hear, that's picking all that up. Thank you, Jeremy. Oh, look at here. Okay. Great to see you tonight. Hope you did have a really good day today. We have several who are sick. We want to be praying about. If you have some people that you would like to add to the list, be happy to do that. And I know that there are still people that are dealing with the flu and other things and we'll just, we'll remember those folks. Uh, Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton's recovering from her foot surgery. Austin Wentz is undergoing just a long-term series of treatments for cancer. Ann Stevens and Don Dawson both have chronic health issues. Kim Fowler's recovering from her foot surgery. Wade Davis is still missing after all this time. I understand that they have sent some teams out uh, here because the leaves have been falling and so forth and I hope maybe to discover something, but just please keep this family in your prayers. Must be a very difficult time. Carolyn Wilcutt and her recovery. Melinda Hester is doing great uh, following her surgery. Uh, Bobby Petty is Joe Garrett's friend. He has lung cancer. Doug Smith's dad, Kelby, has not been well for some time. Cody McGee is recovering from foot surgery. Vanessa Williams has leukemia. She's a member at Snowdown. Chopper Taylor is suffering with severe pain uh, in both of his legs. Larry Kennedy is Becky Johnson's brother-in-law. He's, is he still undergoing tests? Okay. Uh, Rick Warner's Granddaughter, Marley, recovering from her broken arm. She's doing great, right? right We all have a sad face, Rick. I'll leave her on, we'll pray for her, and then I'm just gonna take her right off of there. But I, I like to take people off, you know why? Doing better. I'm really glad. Cassie Stewart broke her elbow. She's been dealing with some really serious pain issues Danny Ramdahl is one of our missionaries in Guyana. He has kidney failure. Ben Roberts is still out. He's recovering from surgery he had for his kidney stone. Just pray that uh, he can get stronger and better and be back with us real soon, him and Joanne. Uh, Mary Hoffman asked for us to pray for Cheryl. She's been been treated for spinal pain. Marilyn Jones had surgery today. Did that go well? All right. Home. Wow. Okay. Wow. That sounds like Linda's knee surgery. I mean, wow. Mm, Okay. Makes you just want to sign up, doesn't it? Get that kind of service. No, shake your head this way. No, no. Uh, But we're thankful that that's possible and that we pray that, that she'll do well and, and Linda too. Uh, Van Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Mark Warner had kidney stone surgery. Is he doing okay? Yeah, he did have to stay overnight, but he but they he you want me to take them off too? Yep. Just take all of Rick's family off this list. He's,
3: he's doing good. He that's wonderful he went, got the tube out yesterday Monday and so he's good. Okay, yeah. terrific. That that's
4: really good. What about Will Tennyson? He had tests this week. Anybody he know how Friday he knows Friday. You get your results Friday. Okay, results Friday. We're praying. Freedom from cancer. grandpa? Uh Janice Taylor's mother-in-law fell. She sustained several injuries. Now she's dealing with a punctured lung and pneumonia. She's 92 years old. Yeah. Randy stutz Uh well he was here. He's right there. Okay. Uh, Randy. He's been he's been having some sickness lately, but one symptom of that was pressure in his ears, and you know he's been on antibiotics couldn't couldn't touch it, and so he had something done I've never heard done for an adult. Maybe maybe you have, but I never have. I didn't he had a tube to put in his ears like little kids do to relieve the pressure, and just you ask him how that went, how how fun that treatment is i'll just leave it at that um anita had an appointment today and she's going to be having to have a biopsy on tuesday and hopefully it's nothing but you know anytime they do a biopsy we get worried about it and so we'd really appreciate you remembering anita in your prayers you have anybody else that you would like to put on the list Macy Floyd. She's been suffering from the flu for about a week and a half. Wow. I've heard it's really tough. Is it Milton? Yeah.
0: Milton's still had IVs every day, I reckon.
4: Milton. Milton.
0: Floyd. Back yeah. You're still, you're still Milton, you still sick? No, I'm...
4: You're good, huh?
0: Just getting old.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, anybody else in that boat? Rick says he is. Yes, sir?
3: Reed Sparks. Okay. Reed had, because uh, he lost a leg uh, back, I don't know, a good long while ago. Seem seemed to be doing fine, but his other leg... Got a got a, like a fleshy, fleshy bacteria in it. And they took it off above the knee. They've gone back a day or so ago, and they had to take it off all the way up to his hip. So, uh, really so
4: he's he's missing dog legs now. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not doing well at all. I'm sorry to hear that. That's... Okay. Well, let's have a prayer. And... Yes, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am.
2: I'm having surgery on my right eye, cataracts.
4: Okay, we
1: will definitely do that.
4: All right, let's pray.
1: Father, thank you for a
4: great day today. Thank you for your many blessings just so abundant all around us. And if we, haven't, if we haven't taken inventory of that lately, I pray you'll just help us be so aware of things that we just stop and just stand in awe of you. We thank you for this time that we can be together and to worship as we have done and to spend time in the study of your word to know more about the church in particular. Lord, we pray for these people who are sick, many of which are members here but can't be here because of illness or injury and recovery from surgery. We're praying, Lord, you'll bless each one. Bless Irene Baker, uh, that she'll have good days and quality days with her family. Bless Martha Eaton, that her foot's gonna be uh, completely well soon. We pray for Austin Wentz, that you'll give him strength through his treatments. Bless Ann Stevens, that she'll have good days. Bless Kim Fowler, that her foot will heal right and that she will be back to normal soon. Bless Don Dawson, that he'll have good days. We pray for the Davis family and we just pray for their comfort and especially, I'm sure this, this new search is just causing more emotions, and to intensify them. We just pray, Lord, your, your blanket of compassion all over them. Please be with Carolyn Wilcutt, that she'll be back with us. Bless Melinda Hester and her recovery. Be with Bobby Petty, as he has lung cancer. Pray for Kelby Smith, that he'll have good days. Bless Cody McGee, he can fully recover from his foot surgery. Be with Vanessa Williams, who has leukemia. Be with Chopper Taylor, and we pray relief for him from his pain. Bless Larry Kennedy, that tests will indicate what exactly the problem is, and the course of treatment that will work. We're thankful that Marley's doing well, and while we'll take her off this list, Lord, we just we pray that she'll have a full recovery from her surgery, from her injuries. Bless Cassie Stewart, that. Her elbow will get better and she'll have freedom from pain. Bless Danny Ramdahl and his treatment for kidney failure. We pray for Ben Roberts that he'll be back with us soon. And just please, please help him to be restored to his health. Bless Cheryl Hoffman in her treatments. Bless Marilyn Jones as she's recovering. It sounds like she's doing spectacularly well. And we're thankful that Linda Beard's doing better, too, and we pray she'll have a full recovery and be back soon. Bless Van Roberts, who has pancreatic cancer. We're thankful that Mark Warner did well from his treatment and is on the road to recovery. We pray for Will Tennyson, who just underwent some tests, and we pray that his body is free from cancer. We pray for Janice Taylor's mother-in-law that... Even at her advanced age, she can receive treatment that will help her to get better and feel better. Pray for Randy Stutz, who is still experiencing pain from his ear. We pray that's going to resolve itself very soon. Please bless Anita as she faces a biopsy on Tuesday. We pray that it's just a precautionary action and that she's okay. We pray for Macy Floyd, who has the flu and has been sick for a week and a half, we pray that she'll get stronger. Bless Reed Sparks, who's now had both legs removed, and we just have compassion for somebody in that circumstance, and we pray your comfort and for a support for him in, in these very extreme measures. And we also pray for Diane, who's gonna be having cataract surgery real soon. We know that she depends on her site for her work and we just pray that's gonna go well. She'll recover quickly and be back at it. We pray, Lord, you'll bless us too as we're studying tonight and strengthen us in our understanding of your word and help us know how to make the right applications of it. In Jesus name, amen. So in this class, we're talking about the distinctive nature of the church and all we're doing is trying to examine what the Bible has to say about that, but a prerequisite to that is understanding a little bit about the world into which the church was inserted. So we started last week with Galatians chapter four, beginning at verse four. Well, he says that when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. One point that I made and we drew several texts together in order to support the notion was that the central point of history is not what many people assume is being pointed to here in verse four, the birth of Jesus, but it is rather what's pointed to in verse five. And that is the idea of redemption and receiving the adoption as sons. That came at what point in history? When Jesus died, exactly right. So for us, the center point of history, not his birth, but rather the death of Jesus. Everything that comes before it points to it. and Everything that comes after it is pointing back to it. Now, I mentioned that we want to try to understand the world that Jesus dies in. The life that he lived, he lived under Roman government. And so last time we looked at the Roman Empire and government, and we understood a little bit, I think, at least from some of the surface things that we can look at, that there were both some very positive things that took place, in the time of Jesus that made it possible for the spread of the gospel in an incredible way, but that it wasn't, a, it wasn't a perfect time in terms of just humanity itself. In fact, the world itself reflects exactly what John said Jesus came into. Jesus is light in the midst of what? In midst of darkness, and in fact, people were so accustomed to the darkness that when he came, they couldn't even perceive his light. That's how bad it was. But that's okay, because the text says that he came at the perfect time. He was born under the law. He was born of a woman. He was born, as we are going to see tonight, as the result of prof- prophecy. He's the fulfillment of that. Okay, so I want to take us from some of the surface issues that we looked at in terms of the government. And now I want us to think about the society that existed when Jesus came into the world. It's, it's a little bit different from what we might experience now. I mean, you might, you might see yourself in terms of social standing being delineated by, I don't know, maybe your educational attainment, where you are on the scale there, or... Some people measure it according to the fame that you have, or some people measure it according to the financial success that you have had. But in Jesus Christ, where do we find ourselves in a pecking order? We are all what? We're all one. We're all equal. Yes. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We have one mind. We are one body together. So there are a lot of variations in our experiences, but we are one. In the Roman world, there was quite a lot of differentiation between peoples and where they were. At the very top, you had the, you had the emperor. Now, the emperor thought of himself, anybody know, as a what? Okay, it came to be they thought so highly of themselves they were godlike. Okay, that's pretty high on the social order, yes? No, just nod your head this way. Yeah, okay, right under them were the senators, which in many intriguing stories took matters into their own hands. You probably know some of those stories, but they were, as far as a pecking order, they were just below the emperor and and many who became emperors kind of launched their career right there in the Senate. Under the senators were knights. Now, these, these guys are called the equites, equites. Um, originally, these knights were the ones who were the horsemen in the armies of the Romans. And then because they because they possessed a lot of power and authority, eventually what they were in the military sense, because they became wealthy and their exploits and so forth, they became land barons. So basically under the senators, they were the people who had the greatest amount of power out of, out of a military setting. And then right under the Knights were citizens of Rome And then there were the provincials. These are the people who lived, you know, out, farther out. Then there were the free men. Then there were slaves and beggars. I thought it was kind of interesting looking at that hierarchy and thinking about some people that we know in the scriptures who who fit into these things. One of those people that's pretty famous for us is one of these citizens. You remember anybody famous in the New Testament who was a citizen of Rome? His name was Paul, the apostle. Yeah. Um, A couple, who's reading? Okay, Uh, Jeremy, I just wanted to look at Acts chapter 22 and verse 28 and... Also, maybe before you even get there, just go ahead and read chapter 21 and verse 39. There's a couple of little insights. What God's going to do is, and, and this, this is why we lay this groundwork. God's going to use what is a negative, but he's going to use those negative things of this society in order to do what for himself? To do good. Yes, can God, can God take a bad situation and turn it into a good one? Romans 8, verse 28, right? All things work together for good to those who are what? Love God, who are the called according to his purpose. So God's purpose is we'll use whatever is out there in order to bring about the desired result. Okay, go ahead and read these texts. please.
1: Paul replied, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. A citizen
4: of no obscure city. This place was actually Little Rome, right? A place that's recognized. And so his citizenship is validated by the place he's from. It's one that's a recognized locale. And then uh, the second one's really one I wanted to stress.
1: The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth.
4: Okay, so that's Lysias, who's actually the guy who's holding the, holding the power over Paul. But Paul's like, whoa, hang on there now, buddy. I'm a Roman citizen. I was born this way. And Lysias says, well, I, you know, I paid for mine. Okay. See that pecking order, hierarchy? God's going to use that in order to give leverage to his will. Um, there were also... Um, some other guys we're going to talk about a little bit later that kind of come out, and I was going to think in terms of, of the matter of slavery. Okay, so here we got all these, all these folks. Right here with the slaves, it's kind of interesting. Slaves were your professionals and your tradesmen. Okay? When I think of slave just the way I've been conditioned, I think, you know, no education, oppressed. That isn't necessarily what was taking place under the Roman government. So I want to take a moment just to think about slavery for a second. Here is a point that, I don't know, maybe you do hear it in your history classes, but I don't think it's generally a well-known point, And that is, there were more slaves in the first century than free men. More slaves within this society than there are free men. Okay, I mentioned to you that they're the professionals and the tradesmen. Actually, slaves oftentimes were very educated And they were cultural. They knew a lot about what was going on. Or they came from places where they had been educated and were steeped in their own traditions from the place in which they came. One such person in the New Testament scriptures actually has a book named after him. Do you know who that is? The clue here is slave. Philemon, right? Was Philemon useful? In fact, the Apostle Paul was willing to do what? Whatever needs done, I need him working with me. So, you know, it's not like you don't owe me. (laughs) And if I need to pull that in, I will. But, you know, here was somebody who had skills, right? Not, Not typically just the guy who's going to carry your luggage around for you, that kind of slave. This is someone who probably had administrative skills. He was going to be a very important cog in the work that Paul was going to do. You get that again? the church is going to benefit from what having happened here. We've got a slave who's run away from his master who to the the furthest degree could have been subjected to punishment of death. However, Paul says, well, hold on there, brother Onesimus. This guy can be useful to me in the spread of the gospel. And oh, by the way, he's also your, he's your brother. Now, is that going to get... Is that gonna smack this whole sense of the hierarchy in our society? Right, I have a right to own him. Wait a minute. He's your brother. Ooh. Now that he's my brother, I'm gonna have a whole different, I'm gonna have a whole different sense of relationship with this guy. Okay, sometimes you probably know this about the Romans, they went on conquests, right? Uh, generally speaking, they conquested what? Landmass. The whole world. <laughs> okay, so they, they, they subjugate all peoples. But my point there is when you, when you go on a conquest, you end up not killing everybody, so you have captives. And then those captives become what? Yeah, they become slaves. Any biblical characters come to mind that are reflective of this type of situation? In fact, it really... It really goes back to a point of history that was the seed for what would become Rome. Take yourself all the way back to the Babylonian captivity. And there were some who were transitioned from Judea and Jerusalem, that area, into Babylon and found some important positions. Any names come to mind? Like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Remember those guys? They were very useful, attained powerful positions, uh, let alone carry it back to the patriarchs and what happened with Joseph, the slave, right? Not just, yeah, and God used a bad situation in order to promote his own way. Um, Sometimes though, sadly, Some people became slaves because of what we're gonna call exposure. And we'll talk about this a little bit more here in a moment. It was not uncommon for Romans if they had too many children born into their family or especially too many girls just to take the girls and set them out on the stoop. And presumably if nobody picks them up, they're going to die of exposure Unscrupulous traders, however, developed a business out of this. You leave your little infant there on the stoop, and what will we do? We'll take that little baby in, we'll raise it to a certain age, and then we will sell that child into slavery. We mentioned Lysias here a moment ago. What is it that Lysias said he did? Yeah, he bought his citizenship, and if you were a slave, it was possible for you to buy your freedom. But I want to ask you this question, and and here are a lot of different avenues or ways by which you might become a slave. Would you venture to guess what was the most common way to become a slave? And it wasn't being captured by the Romans. Yeah. It was D-E-B-T, debt. Well, we don't have Roman soldiers pointing spears at us, but is debt a problem? Debt's a big problem. And when you become indebted, what do you basically become? You become a slave. You continually pay out with no benefit coming back. You have become a slave to the person from which you borrowed Now, the poorest class, and and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I I don't know how people were voted into their positions, especially in the Senate, how that thing worked exactly. But it is interesting to read that the poorest class, those people that were at the bottom there, the beggars, or maybe some of those who, who weren't slaves, they're free men. But you remember, if you're a free man, free man, and you really didn't have any skills, what kind of work could you do? You're pretty well out of work, right? Because the slaves are taking up all the menial labor and other things. And so you're just, and you are destitute and you are poor. But what the Romans did was that they provided a daily dole of bread. What did that cause those masses of poor people to do? They became, starts with a D, has an indent in it. (laughs) They became dependents. Yes, I now depend on the state or the government to provide for me. Okay, so we've got a societal situation that is top heavy and it's full of slaves. So the ruling class dominates and they are corrupted. How corrupt were they? Well, I just want to mention some of the moral conditions that existed in the first century within the Roman Empire. One of those things, and maybe you don't even think about that this this much, but during that time, a major problem was divorce. Have you ever heard of divorce? Is that an outdated, outmoded, uh, bygone, error, plague? No, it's... It's a big thing now, too. Right. And so in this time, one thing that maybe is a little bit different today is that, you know, now uh, women, women become educated. They can hold a job for themselves, make their own money. If I'm divorced, I'm not destitute. I'm not kicked out on the street. Maybe I can provide for myself. In this time, it was still pretty well a patriarchal type of society. And so this relationship with the husband was dependent on his whim. And it got to the place where the Romans became so corrupt that they would divorce their wives if for no other reason than simply the love of change. I just wanna change. And so if you had a wife with several children, You could easily divorce her and move on to somebody else, leaving behind a wife and children who've now become destitute and are going to be added to what number of people? See how you might change your status in your society? Divorce as it is now, so it was then. It was a scourge on their society. Something that kind of adds to all of this was that And I guess we could have said that they didn't appreciate this phrase, the sanctity of marriage. But what I want to throw in here now is also the sanctity of life itself. What does sanctity mean? Essentially, when when we say something like the sanctity of marriage or the sanctity of life, we're saying it's an untouchable. It's an untouchable because God has spoken about it. For instance, the sanctity of marriage speaks this way. One man and one woman for how long? Until you just get tired of each other. No, one ma- we do it with the kids every Sunday. One man and one woman for life. That's God's plan for marriage. And so when that became upset, it created all kinds of problems. It still creates problems today. Okay, what about sanctity of life? It's the same way. God has spoken about life. Question it, is life precious to God? Life is precious to God. And the idea here, the sanctity of life is, life is supposed to be one of those conditions that is untouchable. God has spoken about it, it's untouchable. However, for the Romans, And these may be terms that you've never heard of before because it was such a corrupt society back then. Things like abortion. You ever heard of that? Yeah, of course we have. That isn't new with us in our society because they did not value life. Abortion for convenience sake was very rampant in Roman times, but let's take it a step further. So was infanticide. Would you venture to guess what infanticide is? Yeah, you've got the word infant there, right? Well, side is going to be the expression of death. What have you done to your infants? Put them to death. Well, they're no value to me. They're going to cost me money to feed them. They're going to take up space. I don't need these children. So not only that, my child was born with some kind of deformity. They're going to be a hindrance to me the rest of my life. I have every right as the head of this household to do what? Kill it. Get rid of it. It's an inconvenience to me. Now, here's a warning for our society. Anybody listening out there on the Internet? Abortion isn't the end of the discussion because if it is only for convenience sake, then what line are we willing to cross? Yes, in the case of the Romans, they would go so far as to putting infants to death for all sorts of things that were inconveniences. And then I mentioned earlier in terms of slavery was the idea of the exposure of children. So you don't have the heart to take the child's life as it's born into the world and has taken its first breath. That's okay. Raise it. Try it out a little bit. If this child doesn't work or it really is a a huge draw away from your, you know, your wealth or is is such a huge inconvenience, you can't care for this child like maybe you think you ought to or it's not going to bring you the prestige that you need. Then just set that child out on the doorstep. And either it will do one of two things. One, it'll vanish. Somebody will just come get them. We don't know how that works. They just come get them. Or the child will die. And then, of course, we've just got another death to care for. That is the degree to which the Romans had no sense or understanding of the sanctity of life, the hands-off nature of life from the vantage point of God. Did the Romans need the church? Oh, yes, they did. And then there was this thing called suicide. Well, it makes sense, right? If you don't value life, you're willing to take the life of your offspring. Then when the going gets rough for you, take your own life. We had a pretty famous description of a fellow we knew about in Acts chapter 16. Remember him? He was what guy? the Philippian jailer, right? I'll just say PJ, the Philippian jailer. What was he ready to do when the prisoners were loose from their cells? He's gonna fall on his sword, take his own life. You know why he would be willing to do that? What is my life? I don't wanna suffer in my death because I'm gonna die. So I'll just, I'll take the honorable route. Wait a second. What did he learn within just a few moments? He learned the value of a life. Jesus died for him. I mean, to me, the the transition that goes from him wanting to take his own life to benefit from the death of someone who died for him is just, that is an amazing story, but not unheard of. Just take your life because life just, you know, isn't that, Precious. And because of that, one of the most famous things that comes out of Rome was this. And I'm thinking about entertainment. How do you entertain a Roman in the first century? Actually, not just the first century. Around a period of about 550 years. Let that set in a moment when I tell you that we're talking about entertainment by gladiatorial combat. Gladiatorial combat. What is that? You know what combat is? That sounds like soldiers fighting in a war. That's exactly what it is. You'd have your gladiators, your champions in a ring fighting one another to death. And people being entertained by that. In fact, huge arenas built for the spectacle of it all. This thing actually, I don't know if you know this or not, historically, this thing started in uh, 264 B.C. That's before Christ. It actually started at a famous person's birthday party. Going to be entertained? What can we do? Hey, let's have a couple of you guys, soldiers. You guys come over here. I want you to try and kill each other. Because life is worth what? It's not worth anything. That thing carried on until 325. Uh, uh, AD, in the year of our Lord, 325. Uh, some say it went as long as 404. It ended during, well, during the reign of a guy by the name of Constantine. Anybody know who Constantine was? He was one of these emperors at the, at the back end. <laughs> but he is considered to be the first convert to Christianity. And really changed history so far as that's concerned. Although he, he became a Christian on his deathbed. You know, I'm not his judge, but... This brutality, which had become commonplace, continued for 550 years or so, unregulated for the most part. And part of that even became an effect or an effective deterrent toward Christians. People got to where they weren't just satisfied with gladiators fighting one another, but how about we put victims in there for one of these powerful Men or groups of men or animals to kill. The bloodthirsty business of that Roman empire was unbelievable. Okay, now we've set our stage. And, you know, were there any redeeming qualities? Say, now, wait a minute. God said that he sent his son at the perfect time. So despite how evil this empire seemed to be, that God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to plant the hope of eternal life right here. And that seed is going to grow to the extent that it is able to do what? Spread and save the whole world. Wow, you think that God... Can't do amazing and awesome things. God can do those amazing and awesome things in the midst of what seems to be absolute hopelessness. So let's talk about the church for a minute. The word church, I want to define a couple of terms so that we all know what we're talking about as we go forward. The term church comes from the Greek word eklesia. Ecclesia literally means, do you know what it means? Very good, called out. But, okay, sometimes we think, wait a minute, called out, called out what? Uh, interesting thing, this, uh, Jeremy, is a text I wanted to just look at real quick. Acts chapter 19 and verse 32. This is a use of the word ecclesia that has nothing to do with the church. It's just demonstrating the idea of being called out. Acts chapter 19, verse 32.
1: Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together.
4: Okay, they've come together. Who came together? started with an A. The assembly. There was an assembly of people, uh, you might call a mob, (laughs) that had what? They had come together. They had made a group. They had been, in effect, they had become the called out, the church. We're not talking about the church that Jesus died for. What I'm pointing out to you is this is a term that is to describe something that is pulled out of a mass into a singular group. It is bound together for a singular purpose. In that case, protest or uh, frustration over what is happening. In our case, why are we called out? Look at First Peter, chapter two, verses nine and 10, Jeremy. First Peter 2, verses nine and 10. I, I love this text. Of course, I love a lot of them, but.
1: <laughs> but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy.
4: You see all the transitions that go there? Called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who hadn't obtained mercy, but now... Have obtained mercy. You've been called out of a corrupt, awful world in order to be gathered together in the glorious what? C-H-U-R-C-H. Okay, we're gonna stop right here tonight. Thank you so much for your attention. And let's have a prayer. And then you may go greet your anxious young ones there in the foyer. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of gathering and studying your word. I pray that you'll help to impress upon us, Lord, the power of the gospel, the power of your church, of how we are set apart and different. Even in a society that has so many ills and is so backward in so many ways, we're thankful for the church that calls us out of that to be something special for your use. And I pray, Lord, that you will use us mightily to do the very same thing in this generation that you were able to do in that first generation, to change the world and turn it upside down. In Jesus' name, amen.